Pharmaceutical Technology presents the Drug Solutions Podcast, where the editors will chat with industry experts from across the pharmaceutical and biopharmaceutical supply chain. Join us as experts share insights into your biggest questions, from the technologies to the strategies to regulations related to the development and manufacture of drug products. This is the Drug Solutions Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of the Drug Solutions Podcast. I'm Meg Rivers, Senior Editor for Pharmaceutical Technology, Pharmaceutical Technology Europe, and Biopharm International. Without further ado, I'm going to turn it over to the editors who will share more about what you can expect in this episode. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this episode of the Drug Solutions Podcast. Today, we'll be discussing the state of validation and compliance, ongoing trends, recent innovations, and much, much more. I'm Grant Plater, the Assistant Editor with Pharmaceutical Technology, Pharmaceutical Technology Europe, and Biopharm International, and I'll be hosting this installment of the podcast. This episode is sponsored by LabVantage Solutions, a leader in intelligent laboratory informatics serving top 20 pharma. In this episode, I'll be speaking with Rosalind Beasley, the Vice President of Digital Innovation over at Doc Compliance. Doc Compliance is a quality management software provider designing solutions specifically for the life science industry. Mrs. Beasley is a senior executive with over 20 years of experience focused on digital transformation with highly regulated industries, and she helps companies maximize their investment in enterprise cloud solutions. First things first, I just want to thank you so much for coming on to this podcast. We really appreciate you taking the time to do this. Oh, thank you. I really appreciate the time that you took as well. Broadly speaking, can you share your thoughts on the current state of compliance and validation? Are there any trends beginning or ending that you've observed? Yes, I think so. I think the industry is definitely finally reaching an inflection point where we're starting to think differently about quality and compliance in general. So, for example, I believe the industry is starting to embrace CSA, which is Computer Software Assurance. Essentially, CSA is bringing more of a risk-based approach to validation. And one of the key tenets of CSA is applying critical thinking to our validation processes. As an example, uh, you know, deciding whether or not to uh, run full test scripts and or unscripted verification scripts. The unscripted verification scripts are basically a new concept, and we're definitely seeing a trend towards using that type of validation process where we're not asking for every single screenshot. We're not asking for every single step to be verified. We're simply saying prove that you've actually confirmed that this process is working as intended, which is really great for the industry. In my opinion, CSA is not a new concept. ISPE has been touting risk at the risk-based approach for, for years now, practically a decade. And uh, funny enough, we're now, you know, finally embracing what was introduced, you know, 10 years ago by ISP and GAMP5. Anything else you want to touch on there? There's other key trends as well. There's a lot of momentum around uh, digital transformation now. You know, we've run some polls recently in webinars, and we found that, generally speaking, um, there's been an uptick in companies that have actually embraced and started down their digital transformation journey. But we've also, also seen a trend of there's still quite a few, I would say, you know, just based on our polls, half of the companies polled were still paper-based and or still on-prem in their quality management systems. With that said, they also indicated that they definitely saw a need to start a digital transformation journey. And I thought that was pretty interesting because, you know, in past years, we didn't even have like 20% of organizations even considering it at the time. And I think one other key uh, trend 
in the industry is this concept of ready to use um, applications and dot compliance actually um, offers one of those. And it's really about offering GXP applications that have been fully validated and validated for intended use, not just for functionality, but literally uh, validated against the business process. So they can be easily adopted, you know, literally day one, if the organization's ready, ready to do so. So I think that's another huge trend that we're seeing now. And interestingly, uh, it's not just quality management systems. As I go to industry trade shows, I'm also hearing that other types of GXP applications are embarking on the same path, even to the point of manufacturing execution systems vendors uh, looking into how they can pre-validate and pre-qualify their SaaS applications as well. Can you talk about some of the key considerations uh, companies aren't necessarily accounting for when they're attempting to become compliant? I think that's an interesting question. First, organizations need to understand the difference between having an FDA-approved product and being FDA-compliant. Those are two completely different things, and I think that's often lost in translation. You know, Being compliant means not only adhering to the laws, of course, but also ensuring consistent delivery of safe products even post-market. And so whenever I'm asked this question, I tend to refer to what were the prior year's FDA 483 inspection observations. Interestingly enough, we tend to repeat over and over and over the same observations. And the top ones being, you know, the absence of written procedures. And that could be whether they're, even if they're paper or electronic, they're just uh, situations where Organizations just haven't documented their procedures. And also a lack of training plans and training records. Those three tend to end up in the top 10 year over year. And then others are lack of a batch master control, record control or a lack of laboratory information systems to manage the, the inspection of the product. But interestingly, those key aspects can be overcome quite easily by implementing solutions such as document management, training management, change control, et cetera. I think a lot of times what we find is that a lot of these things can be avoided. They're common, but yet they appear over and over. So I would say that would be uh, you know, the things that we could convey to organizations to ensure that they're not going out of compliance when there are known things that they could do to be compliant. There's been a lot of discussion around the FDA's rel- relaxation of a lot of the standards to accelerate pharmaceutical production during the whole COVID-19 pandemic. Now that we've returned a semblance of a status quo, what extent are you predicting a, a retightening of measures, if at all? And are there any shifts companies should be taking to this the new approach? I can um, answer that from the perspective of my experience, which is quality management systems and the folks that I interact with and clients that I interact with on a daily basis. I think that COVID-19 definitely taught us to think differently in how we approach quality and compliance. I don't necessarily, from quality management perspective, see that uh, a lot has changed. There are some areas where we did see some change. For example, one of the most fascinating shifts that I saw (laughs) was the desire and willingness of organizations to allow remote audits of their uh, GXP systems, specifically quality management systems, and offering direct access to those live systems. And when I first had this request from a client, my initial response was, 
oh, why, why on earth would you even want to do that? You know, we've never done that before. It's not the way we do things. We haven't, you know, no one's ever asked to actually have an auditor directly access their system. You know, typically the auditor comes in, you put them in a room, they make a request, you go away, you come back with a document and everything's pretty confined. It was funny because the clients responded and was very, very uh, direct in saying, well, we don't really have anything to hide here. So given the situation with COVID, what, what's the alternative? And my response was, was well, basically there isn't one, right? So let's go ahead and make this change for you. But my point being is that I see this being a common um, expectation moving forward. And it was definitely something that COVID brought about. In effect, COVID has permanently changed the way we conduct audits moving forward. Can you talk a little bit about the influence and the impact of cloud technologies in the quality management space? Sure. I will start by saying that this is a topic near and dear to my heart. Fun fact about me is that I introduced the first commercially available cloud QMS uh, system on the Salesforce platform back when no one thought it could be done. That was back in 2011. The reason I did that was because I was having so much difficulty implementing the on-prem applications quality management systems. It was costly to not only implement, but it was also costly to maintain those systems at the time. And, you know, as an example, I had situations where I was spending upwards of $3 million to implement one core quality process. And that project expanded over two years and I just couldn't justify it anymore, but it did give me an idea. And I, that idea was to go off and create a cloud application. And the intent was to reap the benefit of the efficiencies of cloud technology. Uh, no longer do organizations have to deal with the three layers, right? The three deadly layers, hardware, database, and software, not really knowing where things are going wrong. That trend that I like to consider myself having started <laughs> is now a mainstream way to go with, with quality management systems in the cloud and, using, and taking advantage of cloud technology. And one of the advantages, for example, of a vendor developing their software on a, a proven uh, SaaS platform, for example, Doc Compliance's quality management system is on the salesforce.com platform. We get to reap the benefits of the Salesforce platform and, and the billions of dollars that they put into R&D. And it allows us to focus on core quality aspects of our solution. And, and I think that's that's one of the, the biggest benefits. So we reap the benefit of their uh, infrastructure and the audits that are performed on their infrastructure. We, we reap the benefits of their secure platform and the fact that they have SOC 1 and SOC 2 compliance and HIPAA compliance and you name it, GDRP, et cetera. And uh, so that's the benefit of cloud technology today and its influence on the quality management space and I think there is a lot of trust now in, in the cloud. So one other really cool feature that we've been able to introduce from a quality management perspective is on top of that cloud technology with our ability to focus solely on the quality processes allowed us to build what, I, what we call that ready to use out of the box process. Without the, the underlying platform, it would have taken us many, many more years to develop the offering that we have today. So you've had your eye on the industry for quite some time. Can you talk about, are there any like underreported innovations going on in the space? Something that people aren't necessarily talking about, but that's having a major impact on the industry? I wouldn't say that people aren't talking about it. I just think that they're talking about it in maybe the wrong way. 
you know, we hear the term artificial intelligence thrown around all the time, right? And injecting artificial intelligence into various processes and specifically quality management. But I actually like to use a different term and I like to use the term augmented intelligence because artificial intelligence just isn't really there yet where we could actually rely on artificial intelligence to perform activities for us and especially not regulatory or compliance related, quality related activities. But what we can do is use those same concepts like machine learning, uh, natural language uh, processing to augment decision-making process. You know, as an example, many of the, the life sciences organizations today are wading in data, right? And a lot of the decisions that need to be made from a quality and specifically a regulatory perspective require a lot of sifting through data. As you could imagine, for example, when complaints come in for a product and a, a regulatory SME is trying to determine whether or not the complaint needs to be reported to the FDA, data is changing as they're doing their assessment. And their ability to keep up with those changes is becoming increasingly less possible. Using AI, using machine learning, using natural language processing in the background, I think we can use that functionality to produce assistants, you know, who are offering suggestions on decisions to make around the quality processes, but not actually acting on those decisions. And so that, that's kind of where I see the industry right now. I think maybe some way far out in the distant future, we can talk about the serious uh, application of AI and quality management, but we're not quite there yet. I think another really cool innovation that I've been keeping my eye on for the last several years is something called process mining. And I think the life sciences industry is definitely an industry that could benefit from technology such as process mining. If you can imagine it's in the artificial intelligence domain, but what it really does in its application is sifting through or mining activity logs. And actually learning from those logs and determining whether or not your processes that you are currently using are efficient, finding bottlenecks and suggesting changes to the actual process. So I think that's a fascinating technology, and I think it's going to start to be used more and more in the industry. Uh, today, it's, it's, it's popular in Europe, and I see it definitely moving into the U.S. Uh, soon. I think another topic which is near and dear to some of my colleagues is cybersecurity. I think we're definitely in a situation now where life sciences organizations are vulnerable. If you get, I would say even the top five industries that are high on the list of, of being under attack. Life sciences is high, high in that list. I believe number three, if I'm not state, mistaken, number two or number three. And the type of data that is at risk is generally speaking, personal data, personally identifying data. On top of that, as IoT becomes more prevalent in the manufacturing process, I see another area where cybersecurity will become much more important for these organizations to get a handle on, on preventing attacks. Why would the Internet of Things make the cybersecurity such a more pressing issue? Uh, a good example would be um, shop floors are becoming more and more connected, right? 
So equipment being used in the manufacturing of drugs and specifically biotechnology, that, that equipment is connected via the internet and actually connected to the, the MES system. Unfortunately, if that is breached, there is a potential that an outside party could change something in the manufacturing process. That could be you know, quite impactful. That would be one example. If you think about other devices, there is certainly an uptick on the medical device side of, of things where connected devices, uh, for example, glucose monitors, and those organizations are looking to uh, mine that data. And obviously, they're, they're connected devices, and there's a potential for, for breaches there as well. Thanks again to Rosalind for coming on, and thank you for listening. We'll be back soon with another episode. Thank you to our editors and experts for sharing their insight. Stay tuned for future episodes of the Drug Solutions Podcast with the Pharmaceutical Technology Editors. If you want to stay in touch with the Pharmaceutical Technology team, subscribe to this podcast as well as to our newsletters. When you sign up for our e-newsletters, you will be updated about future episodes of Drug Solutions, receive our magazines, learn about upcoming webinars, and hear about episodes of Drug Digest, which is a video series. Thank you to everyone for joining us for this episode of the Drug Solutions Podcast. We will see you next time.